Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome back Peter Hosbro, and I apologize, I probably butchered your last name as I always do. Hosbro. Hosbro. Hosbro, as in Edinburgh, it's a Scottish name. All right, excellent. Well, I apologize and welcome back. That's all right. You're right, mate. So you... So, Peter, you're the author of The Five Habits of Extraordinary Reliability Engineers. You know, you have a long history within reliability engineering. Although super brief, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Because it's been a while since you've been on. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, it's been interesting times, unprecedented times. So, yes. uh, So, I've had a a career, essentially, um, started in manufacturing then mining, uh, then then power generation, and then back to mining, and then then smelting, um, or aluminium smelting to be specific. And that was my, I, as I call my corporate life, there's a little bit of consulting in, in there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's basically my um, my career uh, in in those assets, if you want to call it that. Uh, in 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 reliability functions over over those times, so yeah, all right. So fifteen plus years. All right, excellent. Now, previously we discussed your book, you know, five habits of an extraordinary reliability engineer. Can you yes. remind us what those five habits are? Yeah, sure. So habit one is identify. Habit two is understand. Habit three is question. Habit four is decide with data and habit five is to facilitate to implement and um yeah so where the habits came from because i think um that's where so most people ask me how did you come up with them (laughs) um where the habits came from was uh over over my career i sat down and wrote um wrote out all the problems that i've had as a reliability person working with with various assets and there was over 100 things and they all came down to um five common problems and obviously opposite to those problems was the habits all right excellent now we're here to discuss habit number four decide with data yes so what does this actually mean to you? Because I hear a lot of people decide with data, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're using good data or other things. So what does decide <laughs> with data mean to you? Yeah. Um, so for for us as reliability engineers, the thing is that that the the the, com- the commodity or the thing that we use to get our message across is is data. Essentially, now I'm talking about my experience in Australia um, and essentially reliability engineers work with the people that fix the plant, yeah? Or work with the people that make decisions about the plant, okay? So some people say asset managers. um, And what we need to do 
what we need to do is use the data that we've collected, right? Now, good or bad, <laughs> good or bad, right? We work with the best information we have at the time, or we work with the best data that we have at the time, okay? Now, um, and where we want to be with decide with data is that we want to have the skills to be able to turn that data into inf information, right? And we want to have the skills to be able to present that data in a form that people say, yes, we need to do this. We need to be able to fix this. Okay, we can see the value in actually moving forward with this data that you've presented seven or reliability or, or Peter Horsburgh or, or, or James, right? We can see that. Now, the, the people that we work with and, and in, in, in the book, there's three cartoon characters other than Gilbert. The three, I'll, I'll actually um, open the book up to the page and here's inside the book and we've got the characters here. There's three characters and I know this is, We've got video here, but um, and we're doing this by voice, but that's okay. So we've got Gilbert, um, Gertrude, uh, Paul, and our friend, the <laughs> our friend the tradie. So we've actually got to convince different people within the organisation. We not only have to convince the managers, we also have to convince the the technical engineers, okay, and um, and the people that are doing the work, okay. So we've got to be able to present data for each of those different audiences inside the organization, hence hence the characters in the, in, in the book. All right, excellent. So within that chapter, you know, we're gonna use data, we gotta decide with data. You mentioned data-driven debate. What is a data-driven debate? <laughs> so it comes back to a story of one of my bosses in my corporate life. He had, he had on his door, decide what sort of debate that you're going to have when you walk in. Is it a data-driven debate, a data-limited debate, or a data-free debate? Now, please <laughs> keep in mind, please keep in mind that this particular gentleman did have a doctorate in coal combustion, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. So, you know, coal is one of the things that we're really good at digging out of the ground down here in Australia. Um, and so you had to, you had to, so you had to um, basically decide what, how you're going to approach the conversation as you walked in his office and he held you to that and i can remember as a young guy walking in and saying oh you know we've just found this and we've just found this and we're running around and getting all excited that we've just found something to improve and he says he says seven i think we're having a data limited debate here <laughs> this is this is your opinion how do you know that's for certain yep. how do you know that's for certain right because we're about to commit company resources to go and improve something Right, which is, you know, as you know, working in in plant, it could be um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, and in some cases with with large assets. Okay, you know, um, I think yeah, one of the assets that I used to look after was worth seven billion dollars. Okay, that's Australian dollars, um, <laughs> but but um, you know, one of the assets that I used to work with, some people think it's irreplaceable. Yeah, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't see um, people 
doing that sort of capital work here in Australia ever again. Some people actually say that was one of the assets that we're working with. And, you know, obviously, if we want to make a change to that asset, um, it's significant. It's significant. Yeah. Now, on the smaller side of things, okay, the same principle again, just that the scale is a little bit smaller. The scale is a little bit smaller. Okay. Why should we replace this electric motor? Well, um, one, it's just failed. <laughs> okay. And two, last time that we, um, last time that we replaced it, it cost us $2,000. Okay. I'm actually talking with data. I'm actually pulling some numbers out just in, in, in there. I'm setting the scene, right? I'm using information that we've already gathered or data that we've already gathered to mount an argument. And that's what it's all about is mounting an argument and presenting the data in a way so that people can say, yes, we need to do that. All right. Excellent. So we need the data to make the decision. So we impact assets properly long term. Now, yes. in the book, you said solving or problem solving should follow a framework. You mentioned a process there where it's problem, cause, solution, value framework. Can you elaborate a bit on that? It's more of a way of presenting information. It's okay. more of a template of presenting information. So what I'm trying to do is give reliability engineers a framework to work to. Okay. So when you're communicating information that you've gathered from data, so decide with data, now you've turned it into information. Now you want to turn that into knowledge for others, right? So data, information, knowledge leads to wisdom or organizational wisdom. Organizational learning is, an, is another word that, that, that people use. So in your presentations the p the problem um cause solution and value p c s v is the framework that you should use and so in that presentation obviously introduce them to the problem okay so p here's the problem that we're solving we're always trying to solve problems right that's what we do reliability engineers we're always trying to solve problems right show and so p the p is habit one You've already identified the problem and you framed it relative to all the other problems that you've got. Yep. Okay. So we're addressing this problem in this conversation. P. C. Cause. What has caused the problem? If you can show what is causing the problem and understand the cause, habit two, okay, you've got a very, very high chance that you're going to come up with an effective solution. That's S. <laughs> okay. So P, C, S. Right, so detail the solution that you propose or solutions. Okay, so some um, some people in their business cases require up to three solutions. So in, in my experience, like government-based organizations here in Australia require at least three solutions. They want three options to pick from. And usually option one is do nothing. <laughs> what's gonna happen? What's the, world, what's the world gonna look like if we do nothing? Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, and then your solution plus one other, right? And and obviously, if you, if you've done the work, your solution is going to be the better of the two. <laughs> it should be definitely better than nothing, doing nothing. Okay. Um, otherwise, you pick the other one. Okay, that's the tip. That's the pro tip. <laughs> if the other solution is better than yours, use that one. <laughs> All right. And then V for value. So the last part of the framework of the PCSV is value. Okay. And um, I think we said in our first podcast um, that we were together, what's the, um, what are we here for? 
what are we yep. here for as reliability engineers? Okay, philosophically, right? We're trying to get the most out of something, the most production, for example, costing us the least, whether it's dollars, risk, inputs, whatever, of an asset when we're finished with it. Okay, so when presenting data as information, you must have the value of the action included. That's why it's in that PCSV. You must show the value. Now, the value is going to differ slightly depending upon your audience. So the manager is obviously going to look at the profit and loss statement and balance sheets of the business. So you need to talk dollars. Yep. Okay. Right. The person that is doing the work, the person that is doing the work, spinning like spinning the spanners or wrenches, as we say, we call it spinning spanners in Australia. That's it's like um, Rod Moore tells me spanners is not a good word. Wrenches. Um, <laughs> um, so, so turning wrenches, I think, is the is the word that yep. that you use. So, um, turning wrenches, um, it's going to be about time. They don't have to do that job anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, some and and then the technical people, the technical people, it's going to be about performance, more around production performance, um, decrease in, in in inputs or or um, whatever the machine we're talking about. So depending upon your audience, hence the characters in the book, because there's you know there's you and three others that you basically have to consider in that value conversation. So if you're presenting to management, it's going to be about the dollars. Okay, the dollars typically. All right, there's always exceptions to this, but um, again, you should know the people that you're working with. Absolutely, you got to change it to, to meet your audience. Now, you got to change to meet your audience. Now, in the book, and maybe not just in the book, but in reality, you know, I've heard the term "publish or perish," and you know, yes. I hear this with academia, professors, research staff, that type of thing. How does that apply to reliability? Well, I'm going to put it in this way. If you don't publish, right, and what we mean by publish is actually showing people value in what you do, even if it's small little things, but you're constantly looking for stuff and you're actively actually getting out there and promoting it yourself, i.e., hey, I've just found this, what do you think? Yep. Type conversation is all you have to be. Well, I'll ask you the question, James. If you're not out there improving stuff as a reliability engineer and people can't see it, what's going to happen? You're not going to be employed very long. That's the parish. So if you're not out there publishing and showing people value, you're going to perish. Yep. Right. And, and, you know, um, I've been the one and that's one of the areas that, that I've talked about. And hence it's the, in the book where I haven't published, I've been the guy in the corner sitting there doing numbers. What's this guy doing over in the corner doing, looking at that computer screen. What's he do? Yep. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Who's he work for? <laughs> you know, and then, you know, oh, well, he's not doing anything. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non value added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing www.iridicio.com. So reliability engineers have to be showcasing 
the problems they're solving, the value they're bringing to the organization. I think that is one of the hardest things for some reliability engineers to do. They don't, they don't know anything about marketing or sales. And if I could, I'd give every RE a one-on-one class in marketing and sales so they could sell what they do to the organization. Yep. Because oftentimes they do great things, but they don't share it. And then no one knows what they do. And when budget cuts come, who goes? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and no, the short-term play is long-term plays. Okay, with with reliability, there's short-term plays and long-term plays. Okay, and if you're if you don't have a good mix of like delivering value in the short term as well as long-term stuff, um, again, if people don't see it, as you say, you know, it's it's, it's going to go. Now, coming back to the sales and 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 marketing thing. So, um, I've done an MBA, right, Masters of Business Administration, um, post my reliability studies now so little so giving a little bit of insight into into my path in 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 this in this journey right i did have the option and there was a point a decision point um where i could say i want to further my maintenance and reliability studies or i could go down the path of business now i chose the path of business and in that in that we got I, I got some insights into doing the sales and marketing thing that you mentioned <laughs> um, because that's part of the MBA you cover that because you basically cover it generically all aspects of, of, of business so I agree with you there um, around the sales and, and, and marketing piece take some lessons from the sales and marketing and and incorporate that into what you do however you should have the opportunity to speak a lot if you're really good at habit one, which is identify. You're out there identifying problems and routinely, you know, getting up in front of people and talking about them. I've found this, I've found this, and this happened this week and it's top of the pops. And it's also happened before. So, you know, going along and identifying problems so that it leads you into understanding them, habit two. Okay, so you need to be doing that routinely. (laughs) So, uh, you know, sales and marketing, I'm going to say I agree with you, sales and marketing, a little bit of um, a little bit of um, sales and marketing doesn't hurt. A little bit of an injection of that, um, especially the call to action piece. (laughs) Absolutely. So how does one implement this habit in their daily work as an RE or is this, you know, we do it only after we've done the first four or first three habits, or is this something we're doing constantly? This decide with data piece. Constantly would be my answer. Um, yep. And so, you know, nine times out of 10, I find, um, people are really, really good at Excel. Okay. So they're really, really good at manipulating data in Excel or familiar with Microsoft Excel, okay? However, <laughs> however, um, in, in my experience, um, um, it, you need something a little bit more industrial. Um, you know, Microsoft, at the time, I'm showing my age now, <laughs> at the time, <laughs> at, the, at the time, um, Excel couldn't cut the mustard, uh, would simply run out of computing resources on the computers at the time, and we had to use Microsoft Access because it could handle more data sets, 
okay? Um, and so we're, you know, hooking into our computerized maintenance management system, sucking out data, um, doing trends and all this sort of stuff. When you get into predictive analysis, okay? Um, so you're using data from other systems, like vibration systems are really, really good at, using, at creating lots of data. <laughs> okay, that's what they do. Um, so um, Excel can fall over. I find personally that Excel is limited in, in, in its plotting functions. These days, I tend to use with um, I tend to use um, Power BI. Okay. As 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 a tool of choice. Okay. Uh, one because it's Microsoft. Two, it can handle a lot of data. Three. It's purposely built to tell a story. And what do people relate to very, very well is stories. It's just built into our DNA. And if you can turn that data into a story, it allows you to do, um, it allows you to get that, you know, that sales and marketing piece across a lot better, okay, by telling a story, okay. And the PCSV allows you to get frame it into a basic story because you bring them bringing them along on the journey so coming back to the original um question all right one of the skills or skill sets that i believe that reliability engineers need is that um is a little bit of data science just a little bit okay not too much you don't have to go um you don't have to go into um the detail of database design or anything like that but you need to be able to understand how data is formatted. It is our commodity, right? As I said, we don't spin the spanners. We use data. We take the data and we turn it into information so that people can make decisions, right? Yep. Um, some people have described me as a management accountant that knows how the plant works, All right? right? So Yep. I've actually I've actually had accountants, as in corporate accountants, come and ask me, why is this number like this? So the corporate accountants are usually at cost center type level in the in, in the business. So I, I'm I'm assuming around the world that, you know, people put things in buckets. They put their, you know, bean counters, put the little beans in, in certain buckets, they classify the business into certain areas. Um and I've had I've had accountants come to me and say, "Well, hold on, this bucket here, we don't understand why there's all this money in there. Why is there all this money going into this bucket? Because and, you know you had to explain because of this that's happening in the plant, and you guys saying no to this particular project, we've had to manage it by this, 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 to this. Yep. Oh, and you guys agreed to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so." In some ways, right, in some ways, um, you know, we are management accountants because, you know, obviously the money is important, right, in, in our conversation, but we understand how the plant works. We're engineers. Yep. And we understand what solution needs to be applied, okay? We communicate that to the accountants and managers of what needs to happen. So we're... And I think we talked about this in one of the other habits as well, that we are the interface between the plant floor and the management team inside the organization. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking yeah. that data. We're developing our stories, identifying where, what it's costing us, how we can avoid it, all those different things. And hopefully persuading people that we have to make some of these changes or improvements or redesigns yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. We question what people are doing. Habit three. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yep. So this this habit here is really taking all the things we've done before and using data-driven decision-making to make sure that we're making the most appropriate decisions. What else did we not talk about that you want our listeners to know about this habit? Or did we cover it um, all? I think we pretty well covered it all, mate. Um, all right. So that I'm, being said, I'm, I'm, just showing you, I'm just showing you that I'm Australian. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. You go. You go. Then. If we covered it all, then what is the one action you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today? If they could, if you want that, if you could have them take away one thing and do one thing differently in their plants, what would it be? Okay. If, um, sorry, there is one thing that we did forget to say. I just, re- I right. just realized it and, and we went down some other rabbit hole. <laughs> one of the mistakes that I also find that reliability engineers make when they're presenting their data, okay? And I'm a little bit of a stickler for this one because I've seen it a lot. Okay. And you're probably the same as me, you know, a technical sort of person, and we like to push the boundaries, right? So we push the boundaries of what data we can actually present on one page. (laughs) I.e., we plaster the whole, we plaster it like PowerPoint slides with all this information on what's actually happening. Because we're enthusiastic, we're enthusiastic and keen to get our story across, okay? And as engineers, we see things differently. That's what makes us engineers, okay? And we can see all the angles that we need to cover, yep. okay? Now, coming back to that sales and marketing conversation that, that we had, Google and people like that tell us that when we present something new to people, as in like an advertisement, we've got about three seconds to get their attention, Okay, they call it the three second rule. So the one thing, the one thing that I would like people to remember about this conversation is that when you're presenting your data is you present it in a way so that people see where the problem is within three seconds of looking at your PowerPoint slide, your diagram, I'm a bit visual, so I like to see things in in drawings rather than words. I'll use the words to explain. But um, within three seconds, they've got to see where the problem is. Or within three seconds, I present it another way, within three seconds. All right. I like, I think you muted yourself or something happened. I lost audio. Uh, There you go. You're back. I'm back. Did you get that though? I didn't get the last part. So I caught three. Three second rule, you like visuals, then you use words, and then it kind of cut out at that point. Oh, I got the exciting part. Um, <laughs> the, the, cha- the, the, the challenge that I threw out for the listeners is that whatever you present, okay, whether it's diagrams, um, pictures, or whatever, within three seconds, the challenge is within three seconds, you grab their attention and they got their attention on the problem. Yep. Okay, so, so that's the I- challenge. They got three seconds. That's the one thing you want them to do is to, within three seconds of looking at that A3, the problem statement, your uh, CSV page, whatever it is, three seconds, they have to be able to identify the problem. Yep. They're going to be right. identified. They got to, you got to, their attention on the problem. That's a challenge. All, All right. right. I like it. I like yep. it. All right. So that's the challenge. Peter, I definitely appreciate you coming on to chat with us about this. But before we kind of wrap up, where can people find out more about you, 
your book. You showed me the uh, new edition a little bit earlier. Yes. So where can they find you, <laughs> the resources, all these great things? Yes. So for, for me personally, um, LinkedIn is my social media um, channel of choice. Okay, there's a few others, but LinkedIn is the social media channel of choice for, for me. So you, you'll find me on, on LinkedIn. And uh, the, the good news is that the book is not just available in Australia anymore. It's actually available via Reliability Web now. Okay, so if you go to reliabilityweb.com and to the, to the bookstore there, you will now find the five habits. And correspondingly, they've also um, set it up um, on Amazon, not just in Australia. It's also available globally now, I believe. So, yes. Excellent. Now, what about your website? Ah, ReliabilityExtranet.com is is where where to start. Um, And, uh, yeah, navigate there. You'll find links to the book. You'll find some um, other other bits and pieces. But... um, but uh, yeah. All right. Excellent. Any other resources you want to share with our listeners around deciding with data? Um, yes. Um, if you're if you haven't found Power BI yet, I suggest you do. <laughs> okay. Um, because it's it's like a, a PowerPoint um, style tool for analyzing data. Okay, and it gives you a full ecosystem of allowing you to publish and um, allowing you to automate the process okay yes and and one of the things that i do and help reliability engineers with is habit for decide with data so um being known to help people with uh design corporate presentations they deliver it i don't deliver it they deliver it, but help them um, design presentations and also teach people in Power BI and how to, most importantly, present the data so that they see the problem within three seconds. And most, and also important for them, how to automate this process. So you can get Power BI to suck the data, present it, hopefully you've set it up so you do comply to the three second rule so there's a hint again um, um and so that it automatically um displays the data i've seen um people remove whiteboards and put up tv screens with power bi automatically refreshing the data one guy had it happening every 15 minutes direct from the production system so within 15 minutes the problems were starting to appear on the screen as the day went on during the shift all right Excellent. So Power BI. We're going to point some people to re- resources on Power BI <laughs> yeah. to learn more. Microsoft, Microsoft Power BI. It's a reasonably new tool. Reasonably new tool. Uh, and it's, um, and they've, I think they've done a pretty good job. All right. Excellent. Well, Peter, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat to us, chat with us today about Habit 4. Definitely got yep. to get people working with the data side, um, having a data-rich debate or data-driven debate. Data-driven um, debates. And I'm glad, you know, you provide some good resources here to help them with that, make it a little bit easier. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time. No worries, mate. Awesome. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the reliability.fm network. 
I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.